Nahuli siya ng March 1973 while he was walking in Malate area. And then he was put into solitary confinement for like three months in a cell mga 13 by 4 feet painted black for like three months. Hello Philippines, my name is Erwin. And I'm Mariah. Welcome to Podcast 1081, Mga Kwentong Martial Law. In this show, we'll invite people to talk about their stories, experiences, lessons, and even their small sparks of light during the darkest days in Philippine history. The special limited series is powered by Podmetrics and Podcast Network Asia. For this episode, we'll be talking to Neil Dasa, an award-winning cinematographer, director, and a photographer who came of age during martial law and found his calling as a filmmaker during that tumultuous era. Hi, Mariah. So, ano, our guest tonight is Neil Dasa. He's a cinematographer. Yeah. Very excited. Hmm. So, Neil, thank you for ano for agreeing to uh, to guest on podcast 1081. Maybe we should start in. Um, Sigara, let's go for it. September 21, 1972. What do you remember? Uh, well, I, um, 1972. I was like, ano, parang ten. Yeah. So, parang ano? Uh, well. Uh, well, one thing I remember is pagbukas ko ng paggising ko ng umaga ay uh, oh. walang wala yung favorite cartoons ko. Kasi ano mm-hmm. eh, wala actually walang palabas at all speed. It's just static. So parang it, it felt so weird at the time. Uh, and it's para siyang ano eh, para siyang routine ko na you know, uh, open the TV and watch television. Pero that that day wala siya. And then From then on, ano na yon? Uh, although I was like 10, uh, yeah. so I remember yung young enough to remember. I old enough to remember, but uh, too young to actually be involved in so what's happening in sa bahay mm. and in sa community and everything. From then on, dun na nawala yung I mean, di na mo yung dad ko sa bahay. Although hindi naman sa na naman ako na hindi siya mowe na no? kasi ano siya ex military, so yeah. always out of the house. But from then on, hindi na umuwi yung dad namin. And mm. uh, for almost a year, hindi namin siya nakita. Okay, Neil, before we get into talk to about, I, I want to ask about your dad, definitely. You, you mentioned yeah, he was a colonel. Si Juan Daza? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll ask. But I, but yeah. I want to focus in that you were 10 years old. And then when you turned on the TV, there was no, there was no, was it cartoons? Yeah, I was looking for my favorite cartoon show. Which was? <laughs> Voltes 5. Uh... Eh, Gumby. Hindi <laughs> ko alam eh. <laughs> Kalimutan ko na eh. But, uh, you know, it's the usually, usual, ano, I mean, routine ko at the time. It, was it a weekend? Or pwede ka manood ng TV anytime ba? Ako naman. Allowed ako. I'm the youngest. So, parang ano. <laughs> oh. I have how privileges. Many, how many siblings do you have? Uh, five kami lahat. Uh, but, uh, yung middle uh, sibling ko died when he was eight, eight years old. So, Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, can you imagine? I mean, of course, then we don't need the TV for anything, really. I mean, I mean, yeah. but imagine not just turning on the internet and there's no internet, so you know something's up wrong, right? Yeah, well, internet shutdowns are also happening these days, and it's just really frightening. Oh, but uh, so Neil, but I just want to get to that day again. How long was it? I mean, so you turned it on, wala. When did the TV come back on? Uh, I don't remember, but the moment it 
came back ano na eh uh, uh, I remember yung yung may mga ads about you know uh, about creating this new society uh, of course yun yung campaign na ni Marcos the new mm. society and yung kanyang catchy tune of, uh, of creating this new society after Mar- during martial law Even before Marcos declared martial law, his speeches would preach his vision of the new society, or Bagong Lipunan, in which every Filipino could be free of poverty, hunger, corruption, mass deception, and violence. Or so he promised. But, but uh, from then on, from the September 21, I think I remember parang ang una naming ginawa ay to, well, yung mga lahat ng siblings ko are all activists. They're mm. all from UP. So, and we grew up, you know, I, I, well, I grew up, you know, uh, having political discussions over dinner. And of course, in dad ko is, although ex-military siya, he's also into politics. So, ano yun, it's a regular conversation. Uh, yun yung parang, parang uh, ambiance ko every time, you know, during lunchtime or dinner. Pero after noon, yung martial law on September 21, una namin ginawa is take, collect all our, all the leftist uh, flyers nung nahawak ng mga kapatid ko. And we need to burn it sa bucket namin. Who fought that? Uh, yung mga kapatid ko and my mom. Oo. Tapos, uh, and then yung mga books, like the, syempre yung mga Mao, Mao books, the Marx books, Lenin books. Uh, ayaw nilang itapon ng mga, ng mga kapatid ko. So we need to wrap it in a thick plastic bag. Mm. And binaw namin sa likod ng garden to hide it. When, how long did it take before you were able to dig those up again? Ah. <laughs> Quite a long time. Parang, oo. Parang, if I remember, parang uh, nag-corod na nga yung ibang, ano, eh, yung ibang books eh. Uh, parang I think after martial law na. Huh? Ganun. Yeah. I mean, I mean 19 yeah, 1981. Whoa. That's well. I remember uh yung dad ko was in was a political prisoner for okay. like six years. So okay. hindi namin nilalabas yon during that time. The whole time that he was in, in Fort Bonifacio. Okay, now it's time, and let's talk about your dad. So I I understand that he was uh, he fought in a guerrilla unit in World War II, the Hunters. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, he belonged. He was one of the founders of the Hunters, ROTC Hunters Guerrilla Movement. Yes. Uh, ano siya? It, it's a guerrilla unit that operates within the Laguna, Laguna, Cavite, Paranaque, Rizal area during World okay. War II. And how and, were they formed? Ah, uh, ano siya? You... Si, si Terry Adivoso, which is the founder. Ano. They're all yeah. college students at the time. Kaya nga, Hunters ROTC. Okay. So, they were all college students. So, ano yung mga 20, mm-hmm. 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And they formed that group to, ano, to resist the Japanese occupation. So, hindi sila, ano, hindi sila, they're not affiliated sa... Yusafe, which is, of course, an uh, American-sponsored uh, uh, guerrilla. Mm-hmm. So they mm-hmm. formed their own unit within this, this southern Tagalog area. And he was one of, yung dad ko is one of the officers. No, no, okay. 
guerrilla units. Did he ever talk about yung exploits nila nung World War II? Um, yeah. Uh, ano nga siya eh, parang he was head of the intelligence ng, mm-hmm. ano, ng guerrilla units and he was just one of those people who formed the parang assassination squad actually to kill Makapili. And mm-hmm. yun. Actually, ang backdrop niyan, syempre, uh, doon nag-meet yung ano. My mother is from Paranaque. So, okay. Doon sila nag-meet because he was organizing the guerrillas at the time. So, doon na in love yung parents ko. Ang backdrop ay World War <laughs> My uh, countrymen, as of the 21st of uh, this month, I signed Proclamation Number 1081, placing the entire Philippines under martial law. And, and, and ano, sabi mo nga that your father disappeared. I mean, you didn't see him for a year. So what, as you said, he entered the military, he became a colonel. But what happened? Can you explain the sequence of events that happened? Yeah, um, that was an early retirement from the military. So by the time he retired, he was a colonel. Mm. Uh, and then after that, he went into politics. And then into, he was part of the Magsaysay Uh, he was a parang, uh, military attaché during the Magsaysay period. You know? mm. So he usually he goes to Vietnam during the Vietnam War, which I think parang he was also part of you know, a lot of food at that Feeling ko nga si Ayo yung dad ko eh. Feeling ko lang ah. Oh. <laughs> so, tapos noon, uh, uh, since very active siya uh, during the Marcos period as an anti-Marcos and Uh, mm-hmm. individual. So, from the from the very start, he was anti-Marcos. So, the, imagine that it's like 1965. Right? So, yes. by the time na, na binabay yung martial law, he was one of the very first persons na kailangan i-detain. Okay. Together with a lot of other... So, from so from from September 1972 to Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, nahuli siya ng March 1973 uh, okay. while he was walking in, in Malate area. And then he was uh, put into solitary confinement for like three months in a cell na thir- uh, 13 by 4 feet oh. painted black yeah. for like three months. Okay. What did he tell you about that period in confinement na yun? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, well, he did, during that time, remember this, like, uh, uh, medyo, ano yun eh, parang uh, three months yun, tapos, uh, you know, no, nobody's allowed to talk, tapos yung room is painted black. Uh, then, minsan may, um, You know, two days daw, in a week, in within two days, walang water. Mm-hmm. So may mga time na one week, wala silang electric, electricity at all. Ingrid. But ang ginawa niya, siguro to survive, ay sinukat niya ang in detail yung cell niya. So all the specs, kaya, kaya I know yeah, specifically kung ano yung size ng cell kasi sinulat niya yun. Uh, 13 feet by 7 feet by 4.5. Yung height is 7 feet. 
the width is 4.5 and then you have is 30. Paano niya measure? Iko alam eh. <laughs> well, I assume he's a, he's a military guy, you know. You know? Oh. Sabagay. Okay. So, I think he, he kept that detail up, up to the point na inalis na siya sa solitary confinement. And then nilipat na siya in a parang in a big house with with other uh, detained political prisoners. Tapos from there, he, he recreated sort of, uh, he created a maquette. He created that uh, cell. Okay. When did he create the maquette? When he was re- he, when he was released from the solitary confinement. So nilipat na sila sa parang uh, uh, ano siya eh, parang you know, there's a big, may mga big houses kasi sa Fort Bonifacio dati with, you know, big houses with lot of rooms. Mm. So yung political prisoner ando na sila sa loob. It's not really, you know, sell that tight. Mm-hmm. And then, pero of course, ano yun, uh, may security on all around the perimeters. Yeah. But but you're all did maybe uh, mga around 15 kayong detained individuals dun sa facility na yun. And they call it, uh, I remember parang Stalag 17. Oh, the movie? <laughs> they code name sila eh. Like 1571, alam ko eh. Or uh-huh. sabi niya Stalag 17. Movie ba yun? Sorry, alam ko eh, Stalag is like is a is a ano de ba during the World War II right? Yeah, it, well, I know it as a movie. It's like a war movie. Stalag ah, seventy. Oh, so okay. Yeah. So three months, and then he was there until so he was arrested walking in Malate in nineteen seventy three, and then he was released nineteen eighty one. Am I correct? Uh, sorry, I think nineteen seventy eight. Nineteen seventy eight. Yeah. Okay. So that's five oh. years. Five, five to six years, I think. He was yeah. Okay. So, how did the family handle that uh, during the time that your dad was in, incarcerated as a political prisoner? Um, well, like you know, you? I, I, we, yeah, we, we felt, of course, the financial uh, problem because uh, breadwinner and dad got the time. And the mm-hmm. older, older, older sister is still in college or parang kapatapos lang yata. So, uh-huh. we felt that, I mean, you know, the economic uh, mm. hardship. But, uh, uh, may family support naman. I mean, mm. pero more than anything, I think ang tumatak sa at the time is really the visits in Port Bonifacio. Kasi, nung, nung nirelease na siya from solitary, solitary, solitary confinement, that's the only time that the military informed the family, informed us, na hmm. in custody na yung dad. So from then on, every Sunday, dinadala sila lahat, yung mga political detainees, dinadala sila sa isang uh, parang uh, grandstand, grandstand in, in Port Bonifacio. And then, yung families, we go there every Sunday. So I, I grew up going to Port Bonifacio. So hmm. for three months, they didn't tell you where your dad was at all? No. Although in custody na siya, Because yeah. at the time, he was in solitary confinement. So what what did you and your family think? Like, where was he? Uh, dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, yung dad ko is military. So, I mean, you know, I mean, sanay... Well, sana yung mom ko sa mga ganun. In fact, sana yung mom ko 
lahat sa amin. Uh, even yung mga anak niya mga aktivista kasi uh, yung ang anong principle kasi ng dad ko is ano better than activist than a drug addict. So he really supported yung mga activists niya mga. So may mga nights na minsan when I was younger um uh, mm-hmm. martial law. May mga nights na you know we need to pick up my sister from the precinct kasi nahuli siya during sa isang rally sa UP Mundan. This is your brother. Uh, no, my elder sister. Uh, sister, okay. So, yun nga, lahat, yeah. ng, lahat ng siblings mo, three of your siblings, they were all activists. Yeah. Oo. And, uh, and then yung, yung brother ko, the one before me, uh, he was the one who went underground at the time. Marching. Okay. And walang conflict sa dad mo yan? Because I, I know that he was anti-Marcos, but Sempre, ano yeah. na yan, um, that's his, if you thought nga he was working for the CIA, yeah. this is the communist ano, insurgency already. No conflict there? Uh, may mga debates, I think, I remember. But mm. I think na-swing, na-swing, na-swing ng mga kapatid ko yung dad ko sa, ano, <laughs> sa side nila. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to ask, did your dad ever tell you what happened that year that year you didn't know until he was picked up. That one year, na wala kang balita that you thought he was dead. Uh, he, he was moving around. Uh, sa mga well, malakas kasi yung network niya, eh. kasi nga so so. In fact, even yung even yung mga remember he, he retired at an early stage pa nung kanya military career sa colonel. So by the yeah. time binabayong martial law, uh, yung mga kakontemporary niya or even younger than we're all generals na so he was kind of he was kind of friends with the, with the military so yeah. nagulat oh, so in a way medyo may connect din siya you know and in fact uh, during the course ng kanyang pagdetain kasi nag nagaano yan eh parang unti-unti nag-ease up yung detention niya eh mm-hmm. una hindi ka pwedeng low bus from your detention then later on inaallow na siyang lumabas, uh, umuwi sa bahay, pero with, with like four uh, armed, ano, ano, uh, oh. military security. Oh. So, there was one time, uh, I think he, he went to a party na, spo- na sponsored by friend, his friends na general. Hmm. So, he went there without informing yung, yung officer dun sa, ano, sa Fort Bonifacio. Hmm. So, akala nung officer, Oh. tumakas siya. So, ang ginawa, nag, nagbuo ng isang unit to actually to assault yung bahay namin. So, okay. One, one, uh, one evening, tumasok yung mga military sa amin ng full, in full na with long arms. Hinahanap yung tatay. <laughs> Sino nandun sa bahay? Ma'am ko. Si, ma'am ko nga yung kumarap sa kanila eh. Okay. Kwento mo naman, Neil. Anong naalala? But all the while, he, he was there. He was there sa party ng mga generals na friends. So, I mean, hindi lang niya na-inform yung ano. Malayo ba yung party? Hindi ko na alam. Ay, hindi mo alam? Mal- ah, hindi ko na alam. Malayo. Bata pa ako. <laughs> I thought they were going malayo, to read the party. Malayo. Oh. But you were yeah, there. Well, uh, sa bahay. I was there. So, niraid nila yung bahay namin. You know, as in... Uh, nag uh, military jeep sa gate, umakyat sa gate with long arms and everything. Ganun. Kala nila tumakas. <laughs> Inalam na sa party. 
Ngayon Maria, I guess no, kunare ano, kung detect siya magpapadala siya ng selfie kasama niya general. Yeah. Ganon. Oh, hindi hindi na hindi na mangyayari. <laughs> but how old were you at that incident? Kasi you were 10 when martial law was declared September. How old were you then? Yes, I was 13. 13. Well, yeah. Pero I'm curious also, was there I mean growing up around activists, did you sort of have this moment na you thought Okay, I'm an activist now. Did you always just grow up identifying yourself as an activist? Yeah, oh, yeah. I think nagkalat kasi yung reading sa bahay. So, I was reading yung material. So, I was reading writings, Marx and Lenin and Mao and Constantino. Bedtime stories. So, yeah. <laughs> So, and then, yun nga, sabi ko, parang parating may political discussion sa bahay over dinner. Yeah. So, in fact, in fact, the reason why uh, all, all ng kapatid ko are from UP, eh. Tiga USD ako. By the time na magka-college na ako, ayaw na ng mom ko na padala, pad, papasukin ako sa UP. Parang sabi niya, tama na. <laughs> parang ganun. So, sa USD ako napunta. Of course, hindi rin naman, ano, <laughs> Eventually, I went. I got involved sa 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 mass movement. Although hindi sa school, uh, I got involved sa community. Hmm. Before we ask about that, I want to ask uh, about the times. Taman, because now we're talking about the very key moments. Uh, the military raided your house. Your father disappeared. No cartoons. Mga landmarks in your early life, Neil. Pero What was it during the other days? I mean, you still had to go to school. What did you do? Visiting your dad every Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, parang I, I remember, parang I, parang meron siyang atmosphere of fear. Okay. Yun yung, I think I remember. Uh, coming from from before martial law and naging martial, there was an atmosphere of fear sa bahay. And mm-hmm. also sa community and parang napaka-cautious ng mga tao mm-hmm. when they talk about the government. Is there any specific incident na nakita mo yun? Na nakita mo yung takot sa mga taong around you? Well, uh, of course, natural din sa bahay. No? Parang, parang di, ideally, we, we don't talk that much anymore regarding to sa government. But, pag nag-uusap, alam ko, parang, pag, pag nag-uusap yung mga tao sa community, Parang in whispers, hindi siya outside mga conversation. Wait. Especially if we're talking of uh, the government. Wait, whispers sa loob ng bahay nyo? Hindi, yung kapitbahay namin. <laughs> pag, pag nag-uusap sila, kunyari yung mama, may mom, you know, pag nasa street siya or ano. Kasi sumasama ako minsan, sinabahan ko minsan ng mom ko going to the market. Mm. May ganong atmosphere. I remember. So, so, biglang mag-whisper pag alam mong yun na yung pag-uusapan. Yeah. Um, any lines or quotes that you remember from that time na that made an impact on you na natatak talaga sa'yo? What do you mean? Uh, in general? So within general? Oo. Oh, 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 oh. Well, yung word na salvage. Okay. Kasi do, I think I don't know yung word na salvage during martial. Uh, so, parang naka- uh, parang siya ano ngayon, parang, parang yun ang, yun ang, kumbaga sa ngayon, yung tokang, yung word na salvage is actually okay. equivalent. So, if, 
pwedeng activists were being salvaged. And then tinatapon siya. Eh, sa, sa Paranaque pa naman, at that time noon, dinidevelop pa yung the airport, yung area na yun. And those were all grassy area. May mga tinatapon doon ng mga salvage. So doon na yung, I think, na-invento yung term na salvage. I think along Alabang Zapote din, no? Actually, marami. Anything na medyo isolated and grass area, mm-hmm. like lalo sa Cavite area, marami dyan. No, But that's a curious, interesting, ano eh, that you mentioned salvage. Kasi the definition of salvage in the dictionary is far from how we use it. Because salvage to salvage uh-huh. a situation, but to save, it doesn't mean how... That was my first definition of salvage. Meaning, you would find the dead body. Some Somebody was executed and just basically thrown away. And, and discovered. Parang ano, I guess yun nga, parang tokang, parang EJK. But, uh, do you remember, kasi how, was it in the news, salvage? Or do you, kasi now you know the definition, but do you remember how you heard the word used or how it came to you at the time? Hindi. Hindi. Basta, you know, parang pumasok lang siya sa, in sa system mo na when they, when they say na salvage yun. That means, or parang may sinalvage doon, may tinapon na naman dead body doon sa area. Oo. Parang, um, you know, it's, you know, it's associated to someone execution. Wait, ano and, ba? And, and, and ano yun, it carried on, it carried on to, to the point na when I was involved na sa, ano, sa mass movement. So, you know, there was a lot of dis- disappearances at the time mm. uh, among the activists. Nandun yung fear na uh, dudukutin ka and salvage siya. Ganun <laughs> Okay. Marcos and his defenders argued that the Iron Fist and the military's counterinsurgency operations were necessary to save the nation from utter disorder and chaos. During his term, the word salvage was in reference to summer executions done by the military as well as the integrated national police. During martial law, there were 3,275 extrajudicial killings, and 77% of those were purposely salvaged. Did he ever tell you directly how he was treated in prison? Hindi. Did, did you ever ask? Or did anyone ask? I feeling ko ano. Hindi siya... Uh, parang hindi siya, they were treated like, ano eh, uh, compared to like, you know, left-based activists. Mm. Uh, the fact that they were, you know, uh, uh, politicians and ex-military, uh, mm. there was kind of a different treatment. Siguro, com- uh, ano lang, uh, ko- uh, during this early part, which is the, the, the three months of solitary confinement. But other than that, I think there were yeah. Okay. Oh. Well, he, he got off easy. He only got three months of solitary confinement. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine a week. Yeah. And I painted black wall. And what my measurements are? 13 by 4? 13 feet the length. Mm-hmm. Uh, the width is four, 4 feet. And then the height is 7 feet. <laughs> black. It's just designed to drive you mad. Yeah. yeah. It's actually designed to break you. Yeah. Were the walls thick? Did, did he, did, would you know if he heard anything? Could he hear? Was there sunlight even? 
Ka-detail uh, w- Wala eh. Uh, the walls are, ano eh, alam ko, parang reinforced concrete. You know? mm. Tapos may dalawang, ano yan, dalawang, dalawang door na may iron bar. So there's a, the main door. There's, there's another door pa. Um, mm. uh, also with, with iron bar. And then there's a small window. Pero, I mean, it was blocked off by a plywood. So, so wala ka rin, wala ka rin mm. view of the outside. So, yeah. no, no, well, ang, Simulat yun doon, no mosquito nets. So, malamok siguro. No? Kasi sabi niya, there were no provided mosquito nets. Talking was prohibited. You know. And there's an electronic listening device now. Okay. Wow. Oh. And you mentioned earlier that he later on, during prison or after, created a maquette, which means it's a little model of the, his solitary confined prison. Yeah, so he measured the 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 cell mm. while he was in solitary confinement and then he he kept that information then he nilipat na siya sa in a more relaxed uh, detained situation ginawa niya yung maket uh, slowly by parts and then ano yon pa, pa secret yon ah, kasi kasi baka maging yeah, yeah i mean you're, you're creating a replica of of the cell diba so uh-huh. Uh, until unti niya yung binuo and then eventually I think uh, pinapasa niya piece by piece sa sa mom ko and even sa sister Okay, and do you know why he did that? Well, well to keep him sane during the time na <laughs> during the three months parang wala anong gagawin mo di ba? Parang, you're in a, in a box of ano, black Uh-oh. box So after leaving but, it he brought it with sa- him? Oh, but the replica, because yeah. you said it, he had to smuggle it out. And yeah, why did he do that? The recreating his cell after. I mean, do you know? Art. I don't know. Yeah. When did your dad pass away? I think um, about 1994, 1993. Right? Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, I don't know. Any, you know, any other memory that we haven't talked about that, you know, because I've only really realized the story of your dad, like, when we were talking recently. So, anything else? Because he seems to be a very remarkable man from from forming the Hunters uh, in World War II to being, you know, going to Vietnam and then supporting his activist sons after being incarcerated himself. So, he could have been my grandfather, actually, age-wise. Yes. A great-grandfather. Oh. Wait, but, Mariah was uh, born in 1994. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my my daughter was born in 1995, so more or less the same age. Did your parents influence you to go into art and filmmaking in any way? Mm. Coming from there, uh, uh, no, but in that case, he's a you know he's he's a military and he likes to go. He likes to watch you know, war movies. So actually, the Bong family likes to watch movies. So, mm. yun talaga yung parang family bonding natin. Every weekend, we go watching movies. So, mm. when when EDSA won, I, yeah, when EDSA revolution started, I was inside Camp Aguinaldo. So, yung tawid ni, di ba, di ba, nagkaroon ng um, Aguinaldo and Krame. Aguinaldo nandun si Enrile. Mm. And then, si Ra- Ramos on the Krame side. Mm. Di ba, nag-meet yung dalawa yun. I think, yes. Uh, Enrile uh, Cross, yata. Yeah, yata. Yeah, yeah, I was there. 
You yeah, were there uh, with Gringo. Uh, I was there. But Kaya lang, you, I, as as uh, you know, as a photographer, as a stringer. So, but for we forum, to yeah. Oh, and I just like to go you know before because you know, these are the big events. But what was it like uh, to be in that? Uh, where was the office of we forum, and who were the people there? And what was? Shempre, that's pre-Marshall. That was still during that era of you know, uh, pre-EDSA. So you were a part of the Mosquito Press, at, even as a junior, very, very junior. But you were there with people who were, were now legendary journalists. Yeah. Mosquito Press was a term coined during martial law to describe publications that defiantly criticized the Marcos administration, despite the dangers this entailed. Those publications were likened to mosquitoes, which are small, but have a bite that stings. And the, they were being allowed, they were tolerated to print, but they were not looked kindly upon by the government. Yeah. So could you, ex- what kind of stories were, were happening? What kind of energy was in the office? Uh, well, the office, kasi hindi naman siya, since hindi ako talaga parang regular employee nila. Kasi at the time, I was doing, you know, I think nasa, hindi ko pa natatapos yung, yung course ko sa US. Mm. So from time to time lang yon. So hinihatak lang ako ni Richie, which is the yung reporter. So, but I met, I got to meet, you know, Sina Alex Baluyot, you know, the all legend photojournalist, Sina Luis Liwanag at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time noon, there were Alex Baluyot and Luis Liwanag na. So, yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, at, at that at that time, so, sobra siyang, ano, sobra siyang, there was exciting times yun eh, kasi you were like, maybe what, up to uh, 22, 23 years old, and you, you're in, you're in this, um, situation wherein history is happening right in front of you and yeah. you have this camera documenting it so, parang, as a young as a young photographer so uh-huh. so high yon and i think that up to this point it has really you know uh, yung feeling ko of yung ganung period na yun. you know seeing right in front of you history happening that's why that's the reason why i never you know i never stopped taking pictures i think because mm. something might be significant years from yeah. now. So, walang takot, ha? I mean, because it was a scary time. Yeah, actually. Uh, we were shooting, like, the uh, election that was 19. There was an election that we were in Antique. And then uh, there was political violence. There was an ambush, na na, 11 people dead. Yung yeah. So, well, you know, the work of a photojournalist. You, you need to be there. Yeah. Was there any point that you felt your own life was in danger during these times? Uh, yeah, many times. But, syempre, you're young. <laughs> you're young. <laughs> and, you know, these exciting times. So, must not overcome you know, the excitement. Now, you know, no, the excitement. You know, huh. Feeling of, you know, your life is in danger. And you need to get the picture. So I'd like to ask someone, I know, ano, first I'd like to go back full circle to your dad. You've told me before that replica, that maquette of his solitary confinement cell, that was at your home, but it's now lost. But you have yeah. pictures, you took pictures of them. Yeah, I, I took pictures. Pinoso uh, nga sa FB pa And of course, inilawan siya ng maganda with dramatic lighting. And some oh. people actually thought na ano, existing pa yung, ano, they thought na existing pa yung ano, facility. Sabi ko, hindi na. BGC na siya ngayon. I think this one, yun yung unang ginawa ng, ano, eh, ng military ng after 1986. They actually did this of this facility. Yeah. This, uh, wherein nandun yung mga political prisoners. Yeah. It, it, it's probably a BPO now. 
Yeah, I've always found it absurd how a site of incarceration is now some quote-unquote <laughs> world-class yeah. city with all its chrome yeah. and luxury And no, wala siya, di ba? I mean, oh. Kaya feeling ko, yeah. feeling ko nga yung, yung, yung ginawa ng yung document, pag-document ng dad ko of the detail of the cell is, is actually quite important information. Mm. Kasi hindi siya hindi na nag-exist yung, ano, yung place. Yeah. Uh. And so, but it, you know, I got lost, you know, so, but all the information is with me. And I have, you know, maybe I have plans of recreating it in a market. And I have plans of, you know, recreating it in, in, in its actual size and make it like an installation art or something. Yeah. But, uh, when did you decide to document the, the market? Actually, I think four or five years ago. When when all this you know historical revisionism is coming in during during the time na dumating na siya to tell so parang oh. feeling ko in fact hindi ko siya ano I'm not even hindi a, a lot of people don't know about it just feeling ko at that time I I decided to post it take oh. pictures of it and put in the details ng sinulat ng dad you know. I remember nga nung fangirl when I saw it, there are posters of Duterte means in the foreground or in the background kahit hindi sila naka-focus. It was mm. this detail that wasn't explicitly stated pero kitang-kita pa rin siya. How did that come about? I'm curious because it seems like your eye for detail and also telling a story kitang-kita din sa cinematography. Well, yung, yung putting that, that, you know, that tarp, ano yun? It came from the director, Sitonet. Ah. Uh. So, eh, but usually naman, I usually, important kasi sa akin naman eh, that I need to work with, you know, with directors who more or less share the same views, mm. new view ko, mm. and social values ko. Lalo ngayon. Lalo for the past five years. Well, Thank you, thank you, Neil. I mean, um, okay. ano lang, ano lang. Um, Pero ano lang, hindi ko, ano lang kung na-mention kasi yung Erwin na, yung mm. dad ko, seven silang siblings, so siya yung youngest. Mm. Tapos ang dad niya is Eugenio Daza, which is the leader of the Palangiga Massacre in summer. Ah, no, you, no, hindi mo na-mention yan. Okay. <laughs> so, lolo ko, si Captain Eugenio Daza, which is a Capeponero. And he oh. was one of the leaders of the Balangiga Masa. In fact, nung sinoli yung bells dito, uh, invited yung family to sa, ano, sa pagdating ng bells. Yeah. Okay. Wow. No, no, you've so, never mentioned that. So, so may, meron siyang ganun. So. <laughs> and, so, and I guess that influences how you work today in your work? In, yeah, in a way. Oo, definitely. Kasi... Uh, yung, well, yung background ko, exposure ko sa activism and, you know, you know, breaking down the dictatorship and fighting for always for the human rights. Uh, yeah, it kind of influenced me as an individual and also as an artist. Hmm. Oh. Well, Mariah, any, you have uh, anything you want to ask? Or is that no, that's a good note to end it on. It was a real yeah. pleasure to hear all these stories. Yeah. Thank Bitin you, Neil. 45 minutes. Eh. <laughs> Bitin nga eh, but uh, o nga eh. Sana, sana, sana may mapulot kayo, no? Kasi parang ano pala ito, first. Ako pala yung first. 
Okay. Well, again, thank you, Neil. Thank you for listening to Podcast 1081, Mga Kwento The special limited series is powered by Podmetrics and Podcast Network Asia. Before we close this episode, let me end with a slogan from 1976 that's still worth repeating. Kung di tayo kikibo, sinong kikibo? Kung di tayo kikilos, sinong kikilos? Kung di ngayon, kailan pa? And please, please, please register to vote for the 2022 national elections. By learning from our past, we can shape the future. Tune in to the next episode of Podcast 1081, Mga Kwentong Martial The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.